Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, hell's bells. We're ripping through the year already. It's uh, a little after 5 o'clock, and it's March 11, 2020. <clears throat> March 11, 2020, in the good old U.S. of A. And uh, we live in, in strange times. We live in a time where people are misled as much as they're um, enlightened. We live in a time where people are confused. People are afraid. Oh, I see so much fear around me. It's ridiculous. Most people I know are just terrified of everything around them. We live in a time where there are real dangers. We live in a time where there's imagined dangers. We live in a time where we have more power and possible control over our own existence than we ever have at any time in all of history. Since man was first got up on two feet and started walking and thinking, we have more power at our fingertips than ever before. We have more understanding of the world around us. We have more understanding of each other, how things work. We have more ability to communicate, but we don't. I think we communicate less now than we probably did 20, 30, 50 years ago. You know, we have these fancy little square boxes that everybody gets stuck on, and, and, and nobody knows how to have a conversation anymore. And we have... We have the internet. The internet is this amazing tool. It's also a great deceiver. It's also uh, a great marketing gadget. Gadget. It's a. It's 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 a lot of things. And I can't help but wonder, through all of history, if some of the greatest leaders of our time had had access to the ability to communicate to the whole world at the touch of a finger how different things would have been you know imagine if uh if gandhi had it's gotta love it everybody likes to call right as the radio show comes on because we communicate so well i've only been doing this show now for almost seven years and everybody i know i've told i'm doing the radio show but this is this is one of the things we deal with. So today we're going to have a, a another rich show. We're going to have a really truth-based uh, show. And when I talk about a truth-based show, I'm not talking about that we're going to tell the truth this time. I'm talking about we're going to go deep into some truths that a lot of people don't like to look at. We're going to acknowledge some things that are right in front of us that not everybody wants to see. You know, you've heard the old tale, the elephant in the room, and that's generally a reference to something that is obvious but not being talked about. But a lot of things aren't necessarily so obvious. Um, a lot of things we just don't want to look at. Today I'm going to encourage everybody to call in and participate. Um, today we're going to talk about participating, being a part of the solution. I want people to call in. I want people to tell me what you're willing to do to be part of the human solution because that's what we need. You know, over the last 50 years, I've spent 
I don't know how many hours. There's no way to know. But I have spent a lot of personal time sitting one-on-one and talking with people. And everybody has their thing, their thing they're into, the thing they're doing, the thing they need, the thing that's important to them. And we talk about it. And, you know, I always try to find a way to tie what they're doing into something I'm doing. But as the case generally is, most people are into their thing. And when it means participating in something bigger than your thing, a lot of times people just lose interest. It's work. It's work to work together. It's work to engage each other. It's work to communicate. It's work to try to solve problems. The Human Solution International has been around for 10 years, more than 10 years now. And I remember 10 years ago when we first got started, we went to our very first event. It was a HempCon out in LA, Los Angeles uh, Convention Center, big old place. And I'd never done anything like that. And we set our table up and we had our first banner and our first this and our first that. And we had our ribbons and it was really cool. You know, we were still figuring our own selves out. But we knew we supported each other. We knew we were there to educate each other. We knew we were there to um, help out defendants. We didn't know a whole lot about the prisoner situation at the time because we were still pretty new at this. But we actually sat next to a group that taught us some about some of the prisoners. And that was kind of the beginning of it all, 10 years ago. Now today... I don't know that there's anybody, but maybe a couple. Obviously, me and my wife are still there. Um, And there's a couple of people that were around when we first got started 10 years ago, but not very many because it's a lot of work. This thing that we do is not easy. It doesn't pay well. In fact, it doesn't pay at all. But it does give this thing that we call Unlimited intangible benefits. And it's a powerful thing that you get by helping people. You make a difference in the world. You really do. You really actually make a difference in the world by being there to help people. But we struggle. We struggle mostly, I believe, to communicate. You know, there's that old saying, you know, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And and I think that we do. I think we have a huge failure to communicate. I, I have sat with people one-on-one. I have spoken at meetings. I have spoken on this radio show now for almost seven years, something like that, six, seven years. I've, ha- I've hosted meetings. We've had, I don't know how many conference calls over the years hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands, who knows. But we have worked so hard to communicate, and yet that's the biggest problem that I have, is people don't know what we do. They don't know how it works. They don't know anything about anything. They don't know I'm doing a radio show today. They don't know how to do court support. They don't know how to find the chapter. They don't know where our website is. They don't know most things. And I find that one of the biggest problems that we have is we 
start all over every day. Every day is Groundhog Day. And you get somebody that starts to help you build something, and then they have a problem, and they go away. And then you get three people to help, and you start building something, and two of them have a problem with each other, and they go away. And then you get somebody that needs help, and you help them, and everybody's working together and having a good old time, and then their case is over, and they go away. And it's just the nature of this thing. But if you remember about a month ago or five, six weeks ago, we talked about things that work, and we talked about this thing that we call grit. It was the answer to one of the questions. And there's a handful of us that have some of that grit, that have some of what it takes to keep going, even though it's not easy, even though we don't agree with each other all the time, even though we don't necessarily like each other all the time. But what we do know is that this work we're doing is important enough to keep going. We've been supporting defendants now for almost 11 years. And by supporting defendants, we don't mean we've got a free lawyer out there to give to you. By supporting defendants, we don't mean that we've got a thousand people that I can snap my fingers and, and you just show up. But what we do have are a lot of courtroom hours. We do have a lot of people that have experienced the trauma of being arrested, of being charged, of being locked up, of having to organize their own case, of having to organize support. And we've learned how to do it pretty well. You know, um, 11 years ago, I got arrested for the first time. 10 years ago, I got raided. Nine years ago, I got locked up again when they charged me. Eight years ago, I got convicted. Six years ago, it was all overturned. But six years of fighting, you learn a thing or two. Out of all of these things, we, we know that we have a lot of exposure to a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of stress, a lot of trauma. And out of those problems come strength, come understanding. You know, how many of you that are listening right now have gone through a traumatic experience? You have been sick, you've been injured, You've been lost your freedom. You've you've had a, a, an addiction. You've had whatever. There's so many ways we can have trauma. You've been to war. You've been you know beaten up. You've been abused. All these kind of traumas, and and somehow since you're here right now, you've survived it. Well, there's an old adage that says that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger, and it's the truth. You know, what do you do if you want to get strong? You go and you work out, right? You go and you put yourself under stress. You either run or you 
swim or you do something hard, whatever it is, you do something hard. And you keep doing that thing that's hard until it gets easier. And that's life. That's the problems, the obstacles, everything that we face. All these things that keep us from working together, those are the things that some of us get stronger from. Some get weak and go away and don't get better from it, but some do. And that's what this is about. This is a community of people that have overcome all kinds of challenges, all kinds of obstacles, and we're now experts in the field. Whatever it is that you've overcome, you're an expert. My wife had her first husband pass away, so she's an expert on grief of a lost spouse. I have many, many, many people in my life that have survived or are dealing with cancer. That's one of the most common things I know people that, that have gone through and are going through. I know many, many, many people that have lost their freedom over cannabis, myself included. Many people that have fought court battles and, and have overcome. Uh, we've got people that are dealing with all kinds of PTSD and, and you name it, whatever the obstacle is. The only thing that we have control over is our own attitude. We control us, and that's it. Everything else we don't control. I don't control the weather. I don't control the traffic. I don't control you. I don't control any of this equipment here. I don't control anything except for my attitude about life. And I think that if we can understand that and realize that our attitude is one of the only things that's in our way in overcoming an obstacle, number one. Getting together, getting along, working together as a team, number two. And pretty much any success in life, it's your attitude. How are you going about it? On this show, we have all kinds of people that, that tell stories of of all kinds of problems, people that have lost their children, people that have lost their freedom, people that have lost their jobs, people that have lost their property, people that have been in, uh, people that are serving life in prison, for God's sake. But what are we doing with it? You know, I think that this last year, the Human Solution International has grown more than it's grown in a long time. We've gathered a lot of capable people. We've brought a lot of cases uh, into the front. We've been able to help all kinds of people, um, support them, help their, help their cases out. We've helped. We, we rebuilt a house for a woman who had her kids taken away so that she could get her kids back. This is all people working together. Uh, people have driven hundreds and hundreds of miles. I've probably driven 10,000 miles in court support helping people over the last 10 years. It's, we do what it takes. We do what's needed. But we get victories and defeats. We have people that say they want to fight. And I think this is one of the biggest obstacles that we face is that in order to fight the case, you must decide you're going to fight the case. Nobody's going to fight the case for you. They'll fight it with you if you're fighting it. 
but they're not going to do it for you. They're not going to feel sorry for you and help you because they feel sorry for you. Maybe a couple will, but historically that's not what happens. What happens is people will rally around somebody who's fighting for something that's worth fighting for. And when they see somebody that's standing up and saying, this is a wrong that's happening and I'm going to stand up and do the right thing, who's with me, that's when you get people to help. Historically, that's what I've noticed over the last 10 years. That's what I had to do. I had to make it my life's work to get people to care about my case because it wasn't about my case. I said it all along. It was never about my case. It was about this thing that was wrong, and it was about me and the person fighting for it. If you believe in me, then you'll believe in what I'm fighting for. And that's really important. You know, there's a lot of cases that come our way, and people leave out little things. I got a cannabis case, except for, oh, I beat up my girlfriend. Well, that's not a cannabis case now, is it? I got a cannabis case, except for the heroin under the sink. Oh, that's not a cannabis case, is it? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that people sometimes neglect to tell us. We find out eventually because we're in court and we listen to it. But the truth is, anytime that we have a nonviolent case, especially a cannabis case, and somebody's willing to stand up and fight, that's what we're here for. We know how to do that. We know how to do it well. And I think that that's when people can get that and start to realize we've got tools, we've got experience, we've been in courtrooms all over the country in, in every kind of courtroom there is, and we've organized all over the place in big cities and small towns um, for, for family law cases, for civil cases, for criminal cases, state cases, federal cases, you name it, we've been there. We've seen it. We've overcome it. But what we need is somebody that's willing to stand and fight. Now, we got Craig Cecil on the line, and then I'm going to jump into uh, some of our guests. And first of all, you want to talk about an obstacle. Imagine serving life in prison without possibility of parole. For fun. Imagine what that would be like. Dial five now. If you wish to block it. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe, and hello from uh, the Prado Correctional Institution at Terre Haute, Indiana. Well, he actually got a, a little funny uh, good news from the warden today here. <laughs> oh, yeah, what is that? You're going to get a second piece of bologna today? No, no, it's, it's, maybe it's better than that. <laughs> um, they. They put up a big bulletin that uh, if anybody here gets the coronavirus and you have to go to medical to get treated, he's going to waive the $2 copay. Woo! All right. Go coronavirus. Yeah, I, 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 I had a funny feeling that the coronavirus was going to get into our conversation somehow today. I, I know that there's a, a lot of fear going around right now about this dreaded virus, and, uh, you know, I, I have my own feelings about it, but um, the problem is in an area where people are confined and the air isn't circulated so great and you don't have um, any way to get away from each other, um, that's the kind of place where something like that could, could wreak some havoc. What, what's your thoughts about that, really? I think the the biggest failure that there's been some you know some small failures that they didn't get tested 
it's how fast enough and that to keep an eye on, you know, where it's spreading and, you know, what groups it's, people it's spreading among. But, but I think where they've really kind of failed is in the narrative of, you know, that we're on this and this is what we're doing and we're being proactive. And, and instead, the, the narrative is, is that we're getting beat up by this and we're act, reacting too late. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's hurting so many different markets and all that. We just got noticed a little while ago they canceled the St. Patrick's Day Parade and celebration in Chicago, which that's a big deal there. <laughs> yeah, they've been canceling things all over the place. They canceled the South by Southwest conference in Texas, um, and I was going to be featuring uh, a new company I'm working with. They're bringing the Walk for Change out there, and that just got canceled and moved out possibly to May or maybe October. They don't know. And... Um, it seems that a lot of big events are getting canceled, but you know what's not getting canceled? What's that? The Walk for Change is not getting canceled. We're going to walk across America regardless of what what's going on out there in virus land. Um, we're, we're going to keep doing it. You know, uh, down in Mexico not too long ago, there was a – the women had a, a strike, and it was impactful. And they got out there and they said, it, they said, F you, we're not working. And you know what? It freaked a bunch of guys out. There was a whole lot of companies going, wait a minute, this isn't going to be good. And, you know, it turns out that when, when, uh, when we do more than just get out there and say, wag, wag, wag our little fingers, and we say, hey, we got an issue and we're going to do something about it, all of a sudden, uh, you know, things get done. France, France has got a bit of a, of a, of a big protest going on right now. You know, there's all kinds of, of things. At the same time, you got, you know, Italy shutting the whole country down. And, um, you know, you got to wonder how, how this is happening. The stock market's flying up and flying down and makes me glad I only invest in myself because, uh, my stock's strong as ever. <laughs>
talking about the people making a thousand dollars for a for a surgical mask but you know innovation comes out of out of problems you know if you look and see how um, every major development has happened throughout all of history usually there was a problem that needed to be solved and from the space uh, program to the military to you know every time that we've come into historically it's an unsolvable problem somebody comes along and finds a way to solve it and then it's not unsolvable anymore. And so my guess is, you know, luckily this is not as deadly of a disease as, as many of them have been. It's very contagious, but it's not particularly virulent, and it gives you basically a kind of a mild flu. I mean, you know, it gives you a little little headache and a little uh, little fever. And if, if you're not already really weak and and, and, you know, have a compromised immune system, you're probably going to come out of it all right. Who knows? You'll probably develop an antibody and be able to not have it again, just like so many others. Yes, and, and there's, uh, actually, there's not a lot of good humor that come out of it. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. I guess I'm in some way better connected than I was. 
But we have reached out to Jared himself and are, uh, you know, going to continue plugging away. In fact, after the show's over, we're going to be having a uh, human solution meeting here at the studio that I'm doing this at, and we're going to keep on going. We're all going to reach out to Jared and uh, try to try to get his ear. I know once we can start talking to somebody, that's when everything changes. And, you know, we live in this world where everybody thinks they just go and look it up online and send an email out, everything's done, they put an effort in. I'm like, well, that's great. But some of us actually have to talk to people, and we actually have to get in and, 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 and make things happen. And so we're going to be uh, teaching everybody how to do that after the show today. Well, I, uh, Tracy and Kurt up in uh, Washington State sent me an article written by Mark Osler, an expert on uh, Clemency, a college professor, but uh, he noticed on the last grading of 11 clemencies, four of them were civil commutations where they let people out of prison. The, the other seven were pardons where they cleared their record of the felony conviction. But for each one of them, the White House uh, announced that we granted this one because it was requested by this celebrity. Like Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera was one of them. Three of the women... Uh, uh, freed or as a result of Ellis Johnson, uh, Trump's most famous uh, first uh, clemency grant. Uh, she has done her research and recommended for the release of those three, and they were released. And so many others, uh, you know, that the White House actually announced that we, we released these people because a celebrity asked for their release. Yeah, you know, it's interesting um, with the Walk for Change. I am working on uh, building connections to, you know, corporate sponsors and hopefully celebrities and athletes and all kinds of people that, you know, once you get pushed past this first barrier and obstacle that is in our way, it gets a lot easier. And you open up doors, and then it's easier to open up the doors once you've been through one door. Anyways, I I have a uh, video producer who has um, taken on the challenge of, producing what they call a sizzle reel. And that is a short video that basically lays out the premise of what we're doing. And it gives me something to give to these corporate um, entities and celebrities and athletes and musicians and all of that to say, hey, here's us, here's what we're doing, here's why you should care, here's how you can help, and bam. And so that is under production right now. My hope is that uh, within the next three weeks is what we've kind of timed it. It's going to take to do it. Um, I'll be able to now take this one step further and go from, you know, we'll keep we'll keep knocking on Jared's door, and, and I've got hundreds of people that ultimately, if I can get through once and pass the key on, we can, we can definitely keep paying in that way. But at the same time, we're reaching out to anybody who might listen and anybody who might, you know, have a voice that might get heard. So, I believe that you're right, that this is the key to yours and the other guys that don't belong in prison's freedom if we can just get this thing to happen. And we got at least another eight months or so being able to do that as long as this office exists. That's great because uh, for sure if Jared Kushner, uh, you know, if you, if you manage to secure his blessing, his recommendation to President Trump, I'd say it's pretty much a done deal. <laughs> Well, that's a person with, with cloud there. 
You know what's funny is is we got all these people that we're connected to. You know, I got between five and ten thousand people every week that hear this show, and I put it out there. This is what we're trying to do, and it goes out over social media, and it goes out over here, and it goes out over there. And unless you literally can walk them through and say step A, step B, step C, everybody gets stymied. But I know that we're going to do it. We're going to blaze that trail. We're going to pass it along, and it's going to happen. There's your first seat, Craig. I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I thank you again for the walk for change, just to bring attention to, you know, what Americans really want for the future of our marijuana laws and for including me and the other uh, uh, marijuana prisoners all over this country when, you know, people, so many people say marijuana is late. <laughs> but, uh, you know, here we are. You know, it's hard for me to acknowledge that it's legal when I, I, I'm looking over the rail into the, in the cell block A in the federal uh, prison right now. Doesn't feel too legal, does it? You there? Oh, there you go. Anyways. This happens every week. Craig gets his 15 minutes, and the 15 minutes goes quick. And usually halfway in the middle of a thought, the phone cut's dead. That's what it's like to be incarcerated in America in 2020 for a nonviolent drug offense in a place where it's legal. No, folks, it's not legal. Legal doesn't mean what you think. Legal isn't any good. Legal doesn't matter. It needs to be not a criminal offense. It needs to be decriminalized. It needs to be not a crime. Not a crime and legal don't have anything to do with each other. Legal means there's something you can do in a certain way that won't get you in trouble for the most part. Decriminalized, not a crime, means you can do it as much as you want. I can get and scrape moss off of a rock and I can get a handful of moss, and I can do anything I want with that moss, except for maybe hurt you with it. But I can take that moss, and I can crush it up, and I can sprinkle it all over my salad. I can eat it. I can smoke it. I could make a drink out of it. I could do anything I want with that moss, and it would never be considered a crime. Why? Moss isn't criminalized. It's not legal. Moss isn't legal. It's just a moss. It's not legal or not legal. It's just moss. we got to change the way we think, folks. We think wrong. We think wrong. And that's an obstacle. That's a problem. That's what this show is about today. It's about problems and obstacles and how to solve them and how to correct them. So first thing we got to do is get our head around what we really want. We say we want justice. We say we want this. We say we want that. But we don't go about it. We don't do anything to get it, at least not enough of it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to work on changing that. If you have something to say to me today, pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. I've got Nikki Lolly on the line right now, and I've got Dana Bland on the line, and I also have a number of people on the line. And I have a defendant right now that we're going to go to first. And then we're going to go to Nikki, and then we're going to go to Dana, and then we're going to go cruise on down the line here. Um, I'm working off a double thing here, so let's see what we got. Let's see. Where's our defendant? 
There he is, Philip Mitchell, defendant out of Kansas. Kansas has been a hotbed of problems. Now, a couple of months ago, I was in Kansas, and I spoke in front of the State Senate Special Committee on behalf of a bill that some friends of mine submitted called the Human Solution Kansas Act of 2019. And the idea of this act was to uh, create a place much like Oklahoma where, for the most part, it was, for the most part, decriminalized. Best as we could hope to get past. Seems like we were making some headway. But politics got in the way, and the whole state legislature has their asses firmly inside of their face right now. And they don't know which way is up, and they're stuck on some issues that have nothing to do with this, and they're at, at loggerheads. They're just not going anywhere. So who suffers? All the good people of Kansas. We've had more cases emanate out of Kansas in the last six months than any other state. doesn't mean that there's more cases in Kansas than any other state. It just means more of them come to our attention. And we've been in a bunch of courthouses in Kansas, and apparently we have yet another one. So Philip Mitchell is on the line. He's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on. Philip, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right, I guess. Uh, I'm facing these felony charges I'm not um, guilty of, so I'm homeless. I've been living in my suburban they they pretty much kicked me out of my house. They came in with the warrant. They uh, there was a 14 year old girl at the house. Her name is Sarah, and uh, they uh, she was in the shower whenever it happened. There were no female cops present. They detained me and took me to jail. Arrested me. Uh, I guess I mean I no I was never told I was arrested. They uh, they held me for at least 46 hours in the holding tank, and then they charged me with a bunch of stuff that that isn't true. Yeah, it's funny how they like to do that. They like yeah. to just make stuff up and charge you with it, and people don't believe that that happens, but it happens. Yeah, it's happened to me. They got me for Go ahead. They got me for felony distribution. They got me for no drug tech stamp, paraphernalia, and six counts of child endangerment while there were no children but the 14-year-old girl at home. They, uh, they charged my girlfriend, took no contact orders. They charged her with a whole bunch of whole bunch of felonies, at least seven. I don't, I don't know exactly which ones they are, but I know distribution was one. Um, they got her for child endangerment. They got her for no drug tech stamp. Unlawful solici- uh, acquiring a lot unlawful money. They tried to say our um, security cameras were used for guarding our product, which we didn't have. They found 0.02 of a gram, pretty much dust. 
that was probably never tested. Yeah, so, I wish I could they, say I can't believe that, but it's it's unfortunately, uh, especially in places like Kansas and uh, Arkansas, Missouri, places that, you know, it, it just seems that law enforcement believes they can get away with stuff, and they do. Um, so have you connected with our chapter out in Kansas? Yes, I've contacted uh, Sarah, and I, I don't remember his name. Mike. Mike. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, they're good people. They're uh, they're a solid chapter. They've done they've done more good for uh, defendants in the last six months than um, a lot of a lot of folks all across the country. I mean, they're just out there doing good work. So um, I would encourage you to uh, stay in contact with them. Um, do you have a court date set right now? Yes, it's on the 19th. Okay. That's my preliminary um, well, examination. I, okay, I would I would make sure that they get your court date up on our calendar. We have a website calendar where we manage all the court cases and all the meetings and everything we're doing. Um, and so, you know, if you guys are if you're planning on standing up and fighting this case, we'll stand up and fight it with you. And that's kind of you know the key to this thing is you know. Most of the time, when they've got a case like this, they're just they're just trying to get you to settle out a plea deal and go away because you know they know you don't have the stomach for it. And one of the things that yeah, I do, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to trial, bubble. Good, good, good. Well, that's what we need is somebody willing to stand and fight. Um, what yeah. they generally do is they they dump a whole bunch of charges on you so that. You know, they can hold that over your head and tell you what kind of prison time you're facing and all of this, and you say, oh, no, no, no. And then ultimately they plead you down to one charge and, and you get some kind of probation. But you stand and fight, you, you watch what, they're, what they have. I mean, they're going to have to turn over their discovery and say, well, this is actually our case. And prosecutors don't like to lose. At the end of the day, if they don't have a case, they're going to find a way out of it, and that's but it, it's going to take yeah. some fortitude on your part and uh, willingness to to stand up and help and and fight. But we're we're here to help you, um, you know. And and one of the things that we'll do is help to develop a local network. You know, we'll we'll work with you to organize people that are near to where you are to come out and teach you how to do effective court support. You know, court support isn't necessarily about dressing up in a clown costume and 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 doing backflips you know into the courtroom but actually being there being respectful being you know being mindful of the court and letting the court know that you're watching them and it makes a giant difference and we've we've been doing this for a long time so i just want to offer officially our support and um again uh if you want to stay on the line and and becca will get your contact information um, we can invite you onto a conference call with a group of people that are willing to help you organize your support. Um, she can get you uh, set up onto that. Yes, sir. Can I add one Excellent. thing? Yeah, of course. This can happen. This can happen to anybody. If they, if somebody can drive down your street and see that you have security cameras and call the police, and then you know that's all. That's we have security cameras nowadays. Everybody has them. Doorbell cameras. Any of that. 
They can drive down your street and call the police and have your house raided. And there ain't nothing you can do. You have to fight this until it's over. You're absolutely right. And and most cases, in my experience, happen because of somebody complaining about something. Um, yeah. You know, in my case, I, I spent six years in court, and it all came out of a guy I fired decided he was going to get me. And uh, huh. he got me all right, but at the end of the day, you know, I stayed and fought and, and, and ultimately prevailed. And truth be told, if I ran into him in a dark alley somewhere and I happened to have a sharp stick, he might find it sticking out of his eye. It's been about 10 years later, and I'm sure he's forgotten, but I haven't. So, I mean, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you got to be mindful of everybody that's around you. you got to be mindful of your neighbors. you got to be mindful of what you're doing, how you're doing it, because, frankly, we live in a world where other people can cause you grief just just because. So that's good advice. Also, they, they pulled her son, he was 17, out of school, took him to the house, and then took him to the police station, and they questioned him, and he's autistic. They had no DCF present. They had no lawyer present. They had nothing. That that is like totally against the law. That's that's horrible. You can't do that. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And and hopefully, you know, it, 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 do you have a? I, I'm assuming if you don't have a place to live, you probably don't have a high paid attorney. Um, but at the end of the day, there are some good public defenders, and hopefully, if you're able to. Connect. I would. I would say this. If I was going to give you any advice at all, it would be spend time talking to your public defender and connect yourself to this person, because they can help you. They have a lot of resources if they, if they decide to take your case serious. And it's not about your case, really. It's about you. And I've dealt with public defenders. I've had one, and I actually had to more or less make mine defend me. But at the end of the day, he did. And it takes a lot of an, of an effort, and, and it's a one-on-one -on -one experience. But if you can get him, you know, alone in a room and look him in the eye and say, hey, listen, this is what happened. This isn't right, and I, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to fight this, but I need your help. Can you help me? Can you fight this thing? Um, I, I'll bet you. I mean, again, it, people are people, and if you can, if you can get him to look in your eye and see that you're telling him the truth and that that you have integrity, um, hopefully, you know, he, they do have a lot of resources if you can get their attention. Well, that's what it says, right? That's what it says. So we're all we're all in this together. And yep. so, anyways. If you can stay on the line and uh, talk to Becca, get she'll give you um, contact information and get your contact information, and we can reach out to you and set up a meeting to, to organize support and get Mike and Sarah on the line and a few others probably to help. Um, we can we can strategize a plan, um, you know, and and get going on this. What do you say? Uh, yes. Um, also, one more thing that I got to add, and I'm sorry I keep adding things, but. The police chief that busted in my house with this fabricated lie that, that was a search warrant, he was the, the police chief that, like, said uh, the effing pig on the cup 
of McDonald's. It was viral. It was all over Facebook. He even did a um, a thing on CNN apologizing to the public, apologizing to McDonald's. Huh? And that's what he he did. Well, it seems like you might have uh, you might have opened up a can of worms out there. Who knows? I mean, maybe this will be one that that you can get. You know, maybe this is maybe this is a key to 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 make some real change. So yeah. Well, I I I wish I could say I've never heard something so strange, but in this line of business, we hear a lot of strange things and. You know, a good chunk of them are spot-on truth, and that's, you know, that's the way I, I I realize that truth is stranger than fiction most of the time. If I told you the story of my trial, you wouldn't believe half of it, but it, it's what happened. So, all right, Philip, well, um, I'm going to ask you that you stay on the line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off your mic, but um, Becca will jump back on and get your contact information, and we will, uh, we will continue on organizing your support. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you thank for you. everybody else You bet. You bet. We're here to help. All right. So we got another defendant out of Kansas, but we got Nikki Lawless on first. And uh, Nikki's been on the radio here before and she quite an interesting story. And Nikki, you got your camera tilted sideways. Yeah, bad. Well, there you go. Now you're now you're right up and down. I like that. That's much better. All right. So how are you doing today? You uh, have had an interesting. You've had that Chinese um, curse of interesting times pretty recently, huh? Little bit of interest, yes. Um, thanks for having me on again, Joe. It's uh, it's always fun to be on. I totally support Walk for Change and its movements across America. Uh, my situation's a little unique because. In New York State, we don't have the luxury of cannabis flower for medicine. Only oil tinctures and tablets. Um, no full flower. So based on that, um, I have found the most relief from my brain injury uh, in full flower and actually smoking it. So rather than be illegal in New York State, I choose to medicate in Canada. I live about 15 minutes from the Canadian border. And I have a lot of friends over there, and I actually have a medical cannabis card for Canada, as well as New York State as a patient. But I spend so much time over there, I was able to obtain a medical cannabis card there. Um, So I frequent Canada pretty much once to twice a week, every week for the last almost going on four years. Um, Actually, more like two, but a solid two. And... uh, Pretty much one day I was crossing the border into Canada uh, six days before legalization, and um, they pulled me over for secondary expense inspection. And when I was there, uh, after 30 minutes, they continued to ask me, you know, did I have cannabis in the car? Was I meeting people, et cetera, all the normal border things. Um, but I knew I didn't have cannabis in the car. And unfortunately, or fortunately, everything happens for a reason, um, I got the lovely uh, experience of having a dog, uh, getting dogged in the car. Um, the drug dog came around, 
when the dog is wagging his tail, that's great. As soon as he sits and is still, that's a bad sign. So this dog ended up being waggy the whole time until he got to my driver's seat. Then he sat. And when he sat, I immediately saw the officers like, whoa, I can't believe the dog found something because we've already been through this whole car. Um, and so then it was focused on my driver's seat. And it turns out at some point of my travels over those two years, I had dropped a small baggie with what they call toonie joints. Um, it's a $2 cannabis cigarette. And uh, it had somehow managed to roll between the fatal holes and actually uh, had been run over God knows how many times, who knows how long it was there. Could have been six months, eight months. But it had been like, gone back and forth. It was definitely unsmokable. It was not even worth even exploring. Um, so imagine my surprise when I'm like, yeah, sure, go dog the car. You won't find anything. So I was absolutely mortified because I'm a pretty much a law-abiding human for the most part. Uh, at least the good opinion. laws, right? But, huh? You follow the good laws at least, right? I really do try. So Anyway, um, they found it, and then it was another hour, and then they told me for the next seven years, I'll get the joy of secondary inspection every time I come to Canada. So I was like, all right, fine. I get it. My dad was U.S. Customs. I respect their job of everything that they do. Um, and then, as promised, nine out of ten times, I pretty much get pulled over. Overall, my experiences have been very, very polite, respectful. Um, very few problems, um, but most recently what happened to me that the reason we're talking is I'm a medical cannabis patient. So when I utilize cannabis, I utilize it all day as a medicine. Um, I microdose. Uh, I spread my medication out all day. Um, so when I crossed the border uh, last week, I basically, they said, when did you smoke cannabis last? And I said a few hours ago, which is the same answer I've always used. I have no reason to lie. <laughs> I'm coming to your country to actually utilize my medicine. You guys are here medicine. to get it. I yeah. Right. You know? And so I, I was shocked with that. He goes, well, you're high then. You're totally high and you're driving high and you're under the influence. And I said, absolutely not, sir. <laughs> I actually drive better when I'm medicated. If I don't medicate, you can't even understand how I'm speaking. And so it's really to everyone's benefit uh, that I medicate. He goes, I absolutely not. You know, and he literally was almost mocking me. And then I became where instead of my impactful, empowering message of the plant and how wonderful it's been, it now turns into an attack, and I'm all of a sudden, like, up against the wall, like, oh, my gosh. So he says, well, because you admitted that you're high, then we take you to the Ontario Provincial Police, and then they will do a blood test. If you're greater than two nanograms, which is a minuscule amount of cannabis, if you are greater than that, you will go to jail, you will be banned from the border, and we will pay seizure car, and you're done. So my whole point, this whole conversation was, but I'm a medical patient. They don't care. They don't understand. Well, explain this microdosing stuff to me. And so I then genuinely tried to explain it. And 
kind of just went in one ear and out the other. Um, the stigma of the plants and the stigma for medical patients who detect, you know, can I go hours without cannabis? 100%. But it's a quality of life issue. Do I want to? Not really. Um, I'm much more focused, much more able to communicate compared to, you know, being embattled. I mean, it's a huge difference. So my mission, I guess, has been to educate others and realize it can happen to them as well. Um, you know, hearing the guy just now from Kansas, I mean, what a shitty story. Um, but I sort of, in a different way, feel you very... You see a common thread going on here? You got Craig in prison for life. You got a guy in Kansas being charged with multiple felonies over 0.2 grams of whatever. The and then you got you in the, in the great nation of Canada where everything's legal. Um, getting harassed right. by, the, by, by, by the Mounties or the, 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 the customs guys. I mean, people just don't understand. You know, that's the point of this whole show is to bring out the reality, the truth about all of this. And, and you know, I've got to tell you, I do this show because occasionally I reach somebody. Like I really actually once in a while – reach somebody. You know how I know? I talk to them after the show, one-on-one. They just get it. There's that moment of clarity that, oh, my God, I get what you were saying. But most of the time, I'm just honest that most people, you know, it's, it's the funniest thing because, like, in some way, I'm like, oh, the show's being successful. We're getting all these people watching it. But the truth is most people probably watch it for two minutes. And they're like, yeah, I don't understand what's going on. They move along. And they make you think that you're accomplishing all this. One by one is where the work happens. One by one. That's what the human solution is all about. You know, we meet with each other. We talk with each other. We, we gather people together. We, we look them in the eye. We, we're not texting each other, you know. I mean, it's not that we're not doing that, but I'm just saying that's not – this isn't a mass media experience. This is really – People got to understand that each one of these guests that come on are telling a real life story. This isn't like, you know, a, a Hallmark movie. This is the real deal. And anybody who's actually legit, it, it's it's legit. It's traumatizing. It's scary as hell. And and the truth is, you know, at any given moment, any of it could go wrong. You know, I I'm, since I'm talking to you, and it appears that you're in a residence that's not got bars on it. I'm assuming that you found your way out of that situation, but I, I did. But I, honestly, Joe, if you say, admit that you have smoked cannabis in 24 hours, they have the right to now test you. Mm-hmm. That is probably the biggest message I'm trying to communicate with medical patients. Now I have to learn how to lie. <laughs> like, yeah. I am very honest since this brain injury. I can't remember stuff. So, I was just honest and saying I consumed a few hours ago. As, as you're taught to be. Hours, you're done. Right. We're, 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 we're taught as children that it's a better way to live, to be honest, right? I mean, it's, it's the right thing to do. Tell the truth, whatever you can. But yeah. not, not if it means risking your freedom over something. And this is the thing that people, I don't know, I, I, I mention it at least once every show, but sometimes I need to mention it three, four times. 
every single state that has passed a legalization measure and every country that has passed legalization of some way or shape or form, what they do without exception that I know of is they come back with a very harsh DUI program. And the truth is, and, and again, we've talked about this. I have the answer for it, but it requires common sense and a little technology. That's just way too much to ask in, in, a, in 2020 when we can send a robot up to Mars and go drill a hole um, in a planet that's not ours. You'd think you might be able to set up a test that would actually be able to quantify cognition and the ability to drive. But, you know, that's, what, that's asking way too much. The point is, as with everything, even alcohol, some people can drink more alcohol than others. But generally speaking, there's a point at which if your blood alcohol level has this much in it, you're probably a bit buzzed, whereas cannabis isn't that way. Cannabis, you build a tolerance so incredibly quickly and so incredibly strong that can vary from day to day. And there's no way to really know if you're high or not. Except, again, let's put in the cone of common sense here because it'll probably freak most people out. But watch this, okay? I got the answer. It's a good answer. You set a room into your customs place or you set one into the back of a cop car or you set it up in a little room in the checkpoint or whatever it is, and you have this thing called a stimulator. And it's just like a car, only it's a video game. And you turn it on and you drive. And they check you out. You drive for a minute, five minutes, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And if you're impaired, you'll probably crash. You'll bump into something. You'll do something that says, wow, this guy can't drive. I don't know. It wouldn't cost that much. They have them, but nobody, not once. You know, they want to have, they want to have nano, nanograms and they want to have some tests that they can swab your, 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 your nose or, or whatever it is. You know, they got tests they can, they can check for traces up in your car, you know, up in the, up in the, uh, the headliner of your car. Crazy stuff, right? They can test for the presence of THC really easy. What does that mean? Yep, nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, but, but, but we have whole agencies of people and millions and millions and millions of dollars being spent to serve us and protect us, right? I don't see that happening in this arena. And I, and I don't know how to break through, but, I mean, having a cognitive test is imperative. Like, even for the drunk driving, they actually have a field test, right? They have a field sobriety yeah. test. That even that is somewhat skewed. Some people can't balance even if they're sober as can be. Yeah. Lots of people can't balance. But whatever, they do enough tests. You could, probably, you could probably guess if somebody's high or not by doing a field test. But they don't do that generally with high people. They want to do a yeah. blood test. They want to do a, 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 a saliva swab. They want to do... Whatever the hell they want to do a breathalyzer, they want to just be able to test for the presence of, and it's 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 not right, and it's part of what we're trying to change. And, you know, that's what the walk for change, that's what the human solution is all about. We're about ending this prohibition, and and you know we could pass a legalization measure in every single state, 
but it'll still be prohibited because not one of these legalization measures lets anybody do what they need to do. It says you can do this, but not that. You can have this, but not that. You can, you know, there's always a place where you're still a criminal. And there's still people getting locked up for pot in every single legal state, including Colorado, including Washington, including Oregon, and all these places everybody thinks are utopias. They're not. Even in Oklahoma, the, 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 the greatest, newest place, there's still problems in Oklahoma. So it's about right thinking. And, and I'm hoping, you know, unfortunately it takes, you know, you to get this gigantic, you know, holy cow, something's wrong, shoved down your throat, you know, to say, well, I, we got to keep talking. We got to get this message right. We got to clarify it. We got we to gotta, we gotta be able to connect ourselves with some people of influence um, and, and, and identify uh, other ways to make change, including, you know, everything we're doing and, and, and then some. Um, so we we have just organized and um, we're, we're signing our bylaws into, into existence, um, a 501c4, which is a lobby organization um, called the Human Solution Foundation. And it is very connected in the sense of the people are the same people but it's an entirely different organization and it's focused on making policy changes, uh, raising up legislators, um, supporting candidates and doing all the things that a 501c4 can do. Cause I just have all this extra time to do more stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I need help everybody, please. If somebody wanna help, I need help. So anyways, that's what this show's about. It's a call, it's a cry for help. <laughs> but we have more tools now in our toolbox and uh, we'll be this week coming up probably finalizing the documents and the leadership team and and beginning to launch on that mission so we keep trying we keep pushing and uh, we're not going to stop till we get where we're going i need to share the awareness of you know medical patients needs and something needs to be talked about to these law enforcement organizations for medical patients and just for the everyday user, um, you can't go to jail for a plan. I mean, you can, but you, you shouldn't. <laughs> well, and thank you for tossing up a softball that I could go on a home run rant. So it, we're a good team. <laughs> awesome, Joe. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. Nikki Lolly, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And you know what? We're going to get through this. If enough of us stand together, work together, and walk together, we're going to get through this. In our lifetime, we'll have a place where we can go and not worry about getting locked up for this fund, no matter what we have, how much we have, how we're doing it, and that's what we're here to do. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Thank you so much. Nikki Lolly, folks. Bye -bye. All right. We now have a bunch more guests and a – wow, we've gone an hour into – we've gone an hour and ten minutes into a one-hour show. Did it again. All right, we need to turn the time machine on. <laughs> Hold on here. Let me crank the handle on that sucker. And we now have to accelerate and move forward. We got a lot of people on the line here. All right, we have another defendant in Kansas. And I'm getting the sense that 
she's not connected with Philip, so it's, I believe it's entirely separate case. This is Cassie Matthews, um, and you know, if you've been paying attention, we just keep between Missouri and Kansas. Um, I think 80% of our cases are coming out of those two states right now. Um, a lot of things happening. We need help, folks. We need help. If you're in that area and you care, uh, reach out. We got a lot that we can do together. We need to support each other. Cassie Matthews, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Cassie Matthews. Cassie, going once. Cassie, going twice. I will come back to you and try again. I'm not sure what happens. Sometimes people get on hold and uh, we lose sight of each other. Anyways, we'll get back to you. All right. We're going to go now to Dana Bland. Dana is a chapter coordinator from the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition chapter out of Missouri. And uh, Dana's been doing a lot of good work for a good long while, and I believe he's calling from Washington today. So, Dana, I believe you're live. your mic is live. Welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Dana Bland. I'm doing a lot better. Uh, I think I got my... I think I got my uh, lupus uh, back on the run, so I'm getting better and feeling a lot better. Oh, good. Uh, for me, I'm disabled too, been arrested. And also we have uh, cases popping up all over here now of people that went through exactly what we went through just recently and uh, lost their homes, moved away to get away from the sheriff that's in Berry County, Missouri. And, uh, so we're getting more and more local support, and I think I'm because of what's going on here and the violation of all the rights. Uh, I can get all these groups together to do a class action lawsuit against the county and cool. the sheriff's department. Well, I like it when we get proactive. We've had some good uh, effect from doing civil suits, and uh, the more people we can get engaged in in going after them for doing what they're doing to us instead of always reacting and, and coming back from a place of a defensive place, trying to fight for our own freedom is a lot more difficult than going after them. The only thing that we always have to be mindful of is when we go after them, sometimes they strike back. So we just have to be aware how we're doing it. You know, um, it's an interesting situation because action is powerful, right? And we want people to act, but action can be helpful or it can be harmful. And it's important for us to, to be careful and think out our strategy. I've watched people in the name of trying to do good, do stupid things that have caused all kinds of problems for themselves and everybody around them by acting without coming up with a good plan. So I, I always encourage people to act. But I most importantly encourage people to take some time and think about what you're going to do and come up with a plan and talk to people. Get, get your thoughts around a solid plan uh, rather than just, you know, sicking a bunch of people at a problem um, and, and hoping that it all plays out. Well, this is for the future, and uh, these people are all offering their help for the human solutions too. That's awesome. So uh, we're getting a voice. Uh, as you've seen on the TV, uh, 
uh, Biden won every single county in this state. So that shows you where the state stands as far as prohibition and all the other states that did this. I mean, it, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, he, 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 the man can't even keep a thought together and they expect him to run the country. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the three possible front runners, you know, with the average age of 80, um, I don't know. I'm not real confident. It, it, uh, I, I, I think I, I don't think that's what they had in mind when they structured our government. You know, I think I think uh, I don't know, maybe 50, 40, 50, 60, probably a little bit more uh, life left in you, a little more, a little more. Um, Neural pathways still connected, you know, good stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe we'll learn one day. Maybe we will. Well, people, yeah, yeah. Well, people are gonna learn what where their tax dollars are going, because I mean, for them, what they did to us, I mean, and a lot of other people around this county, cost at least a hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to take and do what they did uh, with the helicopters and the man, all the officers they had, which, you know, the state troopers run all the task force in this state, and the task force does the dirty work for the police departments, and that's why the task force was at my house. The Barry County sheriffs, when they turned me over to them, they said, we do not do things like that. <laughs> they better talk to their own sheriff because he's the one that's doing it. Yep. No, it's true. I, I estimated, in my case, with all of the elements to it, that they spent about $4.5 million dollars prosecuting my case, uh, only at the end of it all to say, well, we're just going to go ahead and throw in the towel. It's like, not only did they take all my money, but they spent all the tax dollars trying to keep me locked up and all for nothing. It was all just, for them, a big waste of time. For me, it was more than a big waste of time. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's like you say. I wonder what it would be like if we did a big audit across the board, state, local, federal dollars, and really looked at how they got spent. I wonder if everybody would be okay with that. I'd be okay with looking at it. I bet you I wouldn't be okay with what I found. Just a thought. Well, the word from Human Solutions, the word from Human Solutions for support, it's a really good word. Uh, we got other groups joined into that too. And so far, I haven't seen a case that turned out as bad as it could be as long as we're there for court support. And if we're doing what we're supposed to do and dressing the way we're supposed to dress, uh, they, the judges and them will be intimidated and, and they'll be reluctant to take and pass serious stuff on the person because they know they're being watched by us. It's true. It's true. Well, that's, Part of what we do is, is we teach and we show people the way to do things correctly and we get results. You know, I, if, if, if we weren't getting results, none of us would be doing this. You know, it, this, isn't, this isn't like something that we get greased out of the backside of this when we're all said and done. This is something we do because it works. And it's something we do when we need it for ourselves and we, need, we do it when, when people need it from us. It's just the way it is. Well, Dana, we're running real low on time. I just want to, somebody is in Missouri and wants to help out. How do they get a hold of you? Okay, we're uh, uh, Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition, the Human Solutions, 
international chapter for support here in Southwest Missouri. Anybody can get a hold of me on Facebook. I got a couple of pages. And my number is 417-847-7974. And if you don't get an answer because the amount of calls that I've been getting, especially Sam stuff, just leave a message and I will get back to you. Excellent. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing, Dana. You're doing a great job. And uh, I wish there wasn't so much to do, but I'm glad that we've got some people doing it um, as there is so much to do. So glad you're on my team. All right, Dana Bland, folks. Okay, so we're going to go and see if we can get back to Cassie Matthews. And... Let's see. Oh, there's another. Okay. There was two Cassie Matthews on here. So let's try the other one. All right. Let's see. Cassie, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. There you are. Okay. Excellent. Yep. So um, I don't believe I've met you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on out in Kansas? Yep. Out of uh, Harrington, Kansas, Dickinson County. Um, my family was raided, and um, and um, over. And this is basically over my. I'm getting divorced, and uh, my ex-husband or soon-to-be ex-husband wasn't happy with the terms of the divorce. So, he's the one that started all this. He screenshotted some text messages between our me and our autistic son, but it wasn't the full story. It was just bits and pieces that look bad which they got a search warrant, came in and searched our house. They only found 0 0.02 grams of marijuana and um, some paraphernalia. And, yeah, 0 0.02. And um, I'm being charged with a lot more than uh, Philip and my son. I have, like, seven felonies and, like, I don't know how many misdemeanors. But um, basically, and then, that's basically what happened. Wow, so this is the same case. Yes. Okay. And um and, and and is is what Philip was saying, I mean, he it, it a, a neighbor didn't like the cameras and somehow that that was the impetus of this? No, it was my um my my husband, he screenshotted some uh photo, you know, some picture or some um some text messages that were sent between me and my son. He hacked into my Facebook account, oh. and oh, but he geez. only screened. Yeah, but he only he didn't screenshot the whole story. He just screenshot parts that looked kind not. of bad for a judge to sign off on a warrant. So instead of wow. the police officer in Harrington doing his research, he got a search warrant, and we weren't home. My 14-year-old daughter was home in the shower. There was no female police officers. They busted in, put a gun on her in the shower. And um, they hauled me and Philip to jail. They went and got my 17-year-old son from school. And, uh, you know, they brought him back to the house for some reason. I don't know why. And then they took him to the police station where I was at. And they were wanting me to take all the charges. They were like, if you take all for him, because he was going to be actually, he was ranked number four in the state of Kansas for wrestling this year. You know, he's got, you know, he's really, you know, really good. So they used that against me. And then they tried turn on Junior saying that if he, um, turns on us, he has 24 hours to turn on us, or he's going to be charged. And, you know, he's scared. He's autistic. He's not doing well. We have no contact orders. From what I've heard, he's not doing very well at all, you know, and he can't be with his mom. And it's just, wow. yeah. 
Well, as all over point zero two grams. As I said to Philip, um, if you want to um, stay on the line, and I'll have Becca mm-hmm. get in touch with, or Becca will get your contact information. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is a case that that we're here to help you with, to support you, and mm-hmm. um, you know, this is this is why we exist. I wish, you know, one day, one day, and this is my dream. <clears throat> I will be out of business, and I will be a guy that has looking for something else to champion, like, I don't know, child slavery or, or hunger or homelessness or something else that's yeah. another horrible problem. But for now, yeah. we're still fighting this horrible, 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 horrible. Oh, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyways, so yeah. if you can um, stay on the line. Becca will get your information. I'd like to get a conference call together with you and Mike and Sarah, the, the team leaders over there in Kansas, and we can begin to organize mm-hmm. some support, um, get a sense of, I guess you have a court date on the 19th? Yes. Yeah. So that's coming up pretty quick. It's and, for the preliminary hearing. Know, right. And, and that's where they're going to have to throw their case out. They're going to have to show you what their case is at the preliminary mm-hmm. hearing, and hopefully you'll have a chance to talk to your attorney, and that's when we need to step in and talk with you, depending on how your attorney's reacting, because obviously yeah. uh, just because somebody's an attorney supposed to be defending you doesn't mean they always do a good job or, or care, or sometimes they do a great yeah. job. So that's part of what yeah. we need to do is kind of figure that out. So if you can, please stay on the line, and I'm going to have Becca – um, reach out and get all of your contact information, and we're going to schedule a call maybe as soon as tomorrow if we can, if you're able to. Yep, that sounds good. All right. Well, Cassie, just hang tough and just realize as long as you're willing to fight, um, we're willing to stand by you and help you and be there with you and for you. So that's that's what we're all about. Okay. Thank you. All right, Cassie, stay on the line, and Becca will come and get all your contact information. All right, so I am looking here at my friend, Sharon Rabert, who I understand is now a political candidate running for office. Oh, my goodness. How are you, Joe? I I, I apologize for the earlier conversation. (laughs) Bobby didn't tell me that I was actually not on mute. And actually on the show. I kept clicking the mute button. He kept clicking it off. (laughs) But that's all right. It's always a pleasure. I threw my hat in the ring uh, about, what, nine days ago. Um, And and a lot of people probably don't know who I am, but I live in Georgia. And I had a very similar situation to what sounds like. And I got in on the tail end of this this last... um, story or testimony, um, but my daughter was, uh, we got raided, and 1.5 grams was found in our house. My daughter was facing 26 years, and that was about 14 years ago, and so I started advocating for change in the state of Georgia, and it seems like our legislators are just very unwilling to hear our testimony and make the changes that we all deserve. And so I was asked by Republicans, by Libertarians, and by Democrats 
over the past 12 years to run for office and try and make the change under the gold dome. And now just happens to be the right time for me. And so I've jumped in on the Democratic ticket. I'm running in a solid red uh, district, House District 9, um, for the House of Representatives of the state of Georgia. But I'm in it to win it, and I seem to be getting an awful lot of support from both the Libertarians and the Republicans and the Democrats. Nice. So um, I hope to keep that up, and we're just going to keep talking because, like I always like to say, when we're talking, we're winning. And I hear you talk all the time, Joe, <laughs> and all the wonderful people that are all across this country that listen to you, that are telling their stories. They need to remember that, and I'm just so thankful that all of y'all are talking because we are winning step by step, and we're going to get there. We are going to end prohibition. Well, you're right, and I guess when, when God was handing out parts, he forgot to give me an off switch. So I just keep yapping. It's just it's just what I do. <laughs> Good deal. So I don't know if Bobby told you, but I was just talking to uh, somebody. I, I got a brain full of holes. Sometimes I forget stuff. But um, we just started up a 501c4, which is something that can be used to support a candidate. And um, so Bobby can give you some some insight into that, and maybe there's a way we can help out help out with your race. You know, I told her. I figured you, know you I might have. She was going to be the first candidate that it supports. I figured. Me? Don't be ridiculous. By the way, let me just say one thing. In all seriousness, if every single cannabis activist does not step up and support this lady, they will not hear it. Because this is one of the real warriors. It's like Joe is. She's been on the front line continuously and has successfully made changes better in the communities, particularly about prohibition. I've seen it. I've worked with her. I, I've stood with her. Uh, you have as well. And let's be clear, people. This is no joke here. This is one of the real ones that you support. There is no vetting necessary. Just everybody knows who Sharon is. You say that people don't. That's not exactly true. She's been there a long time. And there's been documented changes, easily one of the best normal chapters in the country that she ran for seven years. And this is the type of person that you step out and support nationally in every single way possible. Get the word out. I wholeheartedly agree. And, and there have been very few candidates that I've actually personally supported and endorsed over the years. And you, anybody that's heard my show, you don't hear me endorsing people very often, but you, Sharon, I will absolutely say I do absolutely support your candidacy, and I am here to help you win any way I can. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to encourage all of you out there, doesn't cost a lot of money, just keep talking and make those contacts and do that networking, and I want to see all of you running soon. Absolutely, and make sure and throw kisses. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, Joe. It's a great time, and I am so happy to be able to see your smiling face. Absolutely, and I look now that we've got more to talk about. I'm expecting you'll be coming on again soon. All right, thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent, Sharon Raver, folks, an unexpected, wonderful guest. All right, let's see. We're an hour and a half into a one-hour show as the time machine is starting to squeak and rattle and. 
hiss and pop and smoke and do all kinds of weird stuff. I'm going to go and see what I got left, and then we're going to go ahead and close this down. But before we do, I want to remember, remind everybody that's listening to this. If you're part of the human solution, you need to be doing something, okay? The human solution isn't just like, I got a car and I'm a human solution member. No, the human solution is actually a group of people that do stuff. We get together, we work together. If you're part of the human solution, you should be part of a chapter. If you're part of a chapter, you should be doing something. You should be meeting. You should be organizing. You should be supporting cases. You should be at least getting together to talk. If you're not doing that, go talk to your chapter coordinator, coordinator and say, what the hell? If you're a chapter coordinator and you're not doing that, I'm saying, what the hell? If you don't have a chapter and you're part of the human solution or want to be, come get with me. I'll help you. This works when we work it, and I frankly think that we need to work it a little more, a little better. After the show, I'm going to be live streaming on my public page the headquarters chapter meeting of the Human Solution. So we're going to go right from one to the next because I got so much darn time on my hands, and I got nothing better to do. No, it's true. This is important. This is why we're here. We're doing this stuff because it needs doing, and it ain't going to do itself. If it did, it'd be like a dog, and it'd always be happy. I don't see that happening right now. All right, let's see what's going on. If you don't understand what I was just talking about, go watch a dog for a while and see how they keep themselves happy. All right, let's see what we got going on here. I got a lot of people on the line, but I don't have a bunch of people say that they necessarily had anything to say. I want to thank everybody that has gotten on recently to the website. We have a calendar on the website. The calendar works now on the website. Use it. I don't care about Facebook. I care about our calendar. You know why? Because our calendar is always there. And every time you go to thsintl.org and you click the button calendar, you'll see the calendar that has all the events scheduled for the human solution. And there's a bunch of them on there right now. If you're participating in one of these events, if you're hosting a meeting, if you're having a court support, get on the calendar. You just click submit an event, put your information in, and click save, and that's what will happen. Your event will go on the calendar. It works. I don't know how to get people to hear this. And to listen, even the people that I work with, the people that I know and love and care about, they don't listen any better. But one by one, we're starting to get it together. One by one, we're having more and more cases that are coming to the website. One by one, it's starting to happen. One by one, we're growing and we're making this thing happen. The Human Solution International, the Walk for Change, all of these things are coming together right now. Big change is happening, and I want you to be part of it. I need your help. That's why I do this show. I do this show for two reasons. One, Craig Cecil needs a voice. Number two, I need help. I got 100 people in my life that are all working on one thing, but there's one of me and 100 of you. We need to work together on more things, and that will take some things off of my plate and put them around where we can get more done. Some of you guys are better at doing stuff than I am. I need your help. 
reach out, get a hold of me. I'm easy to find. Please. I said the magic words. All right, we got Tom Corby, I think, going to close this down today. And um, then we're going to start the headquarters chapter meeting, live streaming on my public page. Tom Corby, I believe this is you. Um, I got a question mark next to your name, but I'm assuming that the area code's right. Let's see what's going on. Tom Corby, is it you? Tom Corby. Uh, oh, oh, thank you, Joe, and uh, for all the many happy birthday wishes from so many. Uh, we had a nice party here. I'm here with Frank Canan, as always. Uh, oh, don't forget to breathe. Oh, yeah, we we uh, we do need help and uh, come and just whatever you can do, it helps us. It takes the load off Annie. When we talk about uh, a complainant uh, and uh, did you know that uh, without a complainant and uh, there's no case, uh, Sue Colum may be aware of that. So the first thing you do is find out who the complainant is. Now, that complainant thinks he can run and hide. No, he cannot run and hide. So what we do is we subpoena that that complainant. Now, when that complainant finds out he might have to go to trial and go take the stand right there, you might back him off. That's what we do. We throw everything at him. Uh, and also uh, Dana Bland there in Missouri, uh, Frank Canans right here uh, from Missouri also made a good point that we always make what it's costing taxpayers and what a waste of time and money from from the time you get busted you're paying all those officers to come in there and oh, I don't want to say what they do it's kind of scary and and uh, not only that so now now you're now the taxpayers are pay, paying for all these hearings and what are they? They're mostly uh, carried on. Uh, continued. Continued, yeah. They're just mostly continued. Uh, that's why when we talk about court support, we, we must we have, must have priorities. And what comes to mind to me right now is a preliminary hearing uh, is a time that you want to have support there. It's always good to have some court support, especially like what Joe says. If you're going to help, make sure you're doing <laughs> some good help, and and you know, to coordinate and get it right, especially with court support. I always tell people with court support, you want to stay in a group, you want to stay together, you want to get go in and out of the courtroom together. When the jury comes in, especially at trial, you always stand and respect that jury. And you always wait till the jurors all go out, and then you get up as a group. And then they know that 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 because a lot of people that as soon as it's over, there everybody's just jumping up and running out. And here come the jurors, and they're not even recognizing them. So that's that's a really important uh, here. And we think about the cost to taxpayers. Now we got a hearing. Uh, I think that our six preliminary 
trials alone cost almost $2 million. And I'm, I'm sure that all these trials are at least a few million dollars. If the taxpayers and we make them more aware of what their, what their taxpayers money going to, to victimless crimes, if there's no victim, there's no crime. I mean, it just makes sense. So when we talk about court support, it's that we come and bear witness to the injustice inside these courtrooms. It would just blow you away. You cannot believe. And if we always take them on, we never make deals. We take them to trial. We always get all our discovery, and we throw everything at them. We always come with a 995. Uh, it's a quash and traverse. Just miss warrant on probable cause and that gets the bacon folks when you you take them on and also like our, our friend Bobby Jared up there way up there north city you take them on to a speedy trial and that's a 45 day time waiver which says that 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 that, that DA must take you to trial or, uh, well, yeah, the thing is, is that it's double standards because it happened here. Uh, I believe with one of our defendants, I don't think it was Frank Canan, uh, did, did go past the 45 day time waiver and the DA found a reason to, uh, continue. <laughs> so, once you have the the DA uh, uh, continuing now and looking for uh, searching, and, and then you've got them on defense. Think about it. So that's what we do in the Human Solution International, and our goal and vision always is, is to end prohibition, free all our POWs. No one should be going to jail for our sacred plan. Uh, we think of, talk about Missouri and Kansas, what's going on over there. My gosh, Kathy from Kansas. Survival Belt. Ah. Survival Belt. Ah, Survival Belt. I see. I didn't know that. Frank's actually from being there. Uh, so, as always, uh, and when we're, we're core support, when you're when you're in, uh, uh, when you're sitting there, it was made a point today. I think Dana Bland made a point today that you're bearing witness, and they're watching. We're watching you. Oh, my God, they're not used to the, us watching you. Uh, my good friend, uh, 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 Nicholas Crazy Nuts Moran, Nick Moran just uh, is here now uh, back and helping us so much. He's right here. If you want, maybe say hello. Anyway, he's... he's uh, Nick Moran had uh, probably the most historical cannabis case in Butte County uh, a few years back. Uh, he took him to trial. He was up against the monster. Also, there was manufacturing involved. He got Joseph Tully and finally took him to trial. This is the first time I've never seen, first of all, I've never seen Tully lose at trial. This trial, all 12 juries jurors found Nick Moran not guilty on all charges. What's that say? Nick Moran took him on. No deals. Sometimes we almost make a deal. 
and we're glad, he's glad he didn't. So that's what we do. And I want to thank everybody today, uh, all the great talkers coming together. Uh, and Frank and Dan would like to say something here real quick. Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody at the Coffee Party Radio Show. Hey, Frank. How's it going? Uh, it's going. Another day in the land of Oz, but sunshine and we're getting through it. Excellent. Spring's almost I, here. I, yeah. No, I just want to give a shout out to the Missouri chapter and the Kansas chapter. And I also want to reiterate to the lawyers, one in Missouri, who's a really good lawyer, who has beat pretty much every case for me and my family for the past 30 years. Uh, his name is Preston Kane out of Missouri. And if anybody's got any issues, they should totally get a hold of him. And in Kansas, for all these issues for cannabis, Carl Cornwell, I highly recommend him. So I just wanted to Excellent. put that out there for the chapter in the Kansas chapter. Those are the two lawyers that I know that make shit happen back there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we will definitely, uh, somebody will write that down and we can, uh, you know, put them in as, as somebody that's been vetted. So it's important. There's a lot of lawyers in the world and a few good ones. And exactly. I wish it wasn't that way, but um, it is. <laughs> that's all I can say. Yep. I wish it wasn't awesome, either, guys. but I'm fortunate to know that there, there are a few good ones and I'd like to pass their names out. Totally agree. That's a big part of what we can do. You know, it's, it's people spend so much time whining and bitching and complaining and attacking and being afraid and being sad and being scared and being mad and being being hurt and all the things people spend all their time doing and very little time being productive and helpful. And this is a productive, helpful thing that I try to make this show be, and I appreciate you being here and being productive and helpful. Well, thank you for letting me have my voice, Joe, and thank you for all you do. You betcha. All right, guys. Well, we're uh, one hour and 45 minutes into a one-hour show. My time machine is about to blow up, and I am going to go ahead and wrap this up. I want to thank the CBD Connect for giving us a place to host the show today. And um, they're in Lake Elsinore, 31796 Casino Drive, Suite M. And uh, it's a wonderful little shop that has all of your CBD needs and also gives us a place to do the show and have our headquarters meeting. So awesome. Good job on that. And I think that's what we got today. I appreciate everybody being here and I will see you all next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. Thank you.